Welcome to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We are located at 3501 Cheviot Avenue, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45211. It is our mission to worship God and follow Jesus as we love and serve in His name through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come see us sometime at 1030 on a Sunday morning or each Wednesday as we feed the community at 530 p.m. We hope the following message inspires you in some way. Time uh, learning about Luke and Acts, uh, and then we're going to pull some uh, very specific uh, learning pieces from the first 11 verses of the first chapter of Acts as we go through this book together. One of the things that I was quickly uh, convinced of in Luke and in Acts was that there are so many bridges that Luke establishes and helps us cross in these two books. And so that's why the, uh, the lesson this morning is entitled, A Bridge Between. I'm going to talk about a very specific bridge uh, for all of us, but I would challenge you as you're reading Luke and Acts together as one story, that you'll try to see if there's bridges. What bridges do is they connect us. And in Luke, uh, we find many of these connections. So we're going to start with just an introduction uh, to the book. Luke and Acts uh, were written as one book. Uh, they, they've been broken up in our Bibles. They're even separated by a book. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then the Gospel of John, and then the first uh, the book there is Acts. But when they were written by Luke, they were written as one continuous and connected story. And what we have in Luke is all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. We read that this morning. And then in Acts... Uh, what we have is what Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the apostles continued to do and teach. And that's how those stories, that's how Luke bridges that gap between Jesus and the early church. Uh, one of Andy's professors that she appreciates a lot says it this way, what you see Jesus doing in, Act, in Luke is what you see the church doing in Acts. And that's a really nice, concise way to say that. This is one of the earliest accounts of the Gospel. In fact, it was written or being written even as Luke was with Paul on Paul's missionary journeys. These books were written and they were being circulated by the early 60s, late 50s, early 60s, just maybe 30-ish years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so these are are very uh, important manuscripts to us and really show the movement of the Gospel and of the church. And we see that movement that, uh, that Jesus began to do and then the church carried on. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. And in verse 8, he says, just, just hang on a minute to the apostles. This is Jesus' words. In just a minute, you're going to receive the power from the Holy Spirit and you're going to be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in fact, that verse sets a roadmap for the entire book of Acts. He says, you're going to receive the power from the Holy Spirit. That's all what Acts is about. That Christians acting in Jesus' name with the power of the Holy Spirit. Never on their own. That when God moves, the church moves. When the the, the people are faithful to God in the Spirit, that's when things happen. But also, when it says you're going to receive the power and be my witness in Jerusalem, 
Acts, the first seven chapters, one through seven, is all about the work of the church in Jerusalem. Then it says in Judea and Samaria, chapters eight and nine are about the work in Judea and Samaria. And then 10 to 28 goes to the ends of the earth. In chapter 9, we meet Saul, who becomes Paul, and then there the gospel just explodes uh, internationally. So it's, I think it's nice and uh, helpful as we see the, not only the movements of the Spirit, but we can see the movements of a very articulate uh, author, inspired author as well. A couple uh, more things just about Luke and Acts. Uh, both books are written to a person named Theophilus, which literally means a person or one who loves God or a lover of God. And most people don't think that Theophilus was an actual person, but more, uh, sorry, most people think that Theophilus was an actual person, but his name was hidden for a specific reason. In uh, Luke chapter 1, it says, I write to you, most excellent Theophilus. Most, most critical uh, scholars believe that Theophilus was an actual person, although that was not his name. Because he was a Roman official, he sponsored Luke in the writing. He paid for it. Not only uh, paid Luke to write, but also paid for the duplication and the, uh, the presentation of these books to be shared. And it says that, that Luke's goal is that Theophilus, the lover of God, I want you to be certain of the things that you've been taught. So we have Luke writing both Luke and Acts, sponsored by a Roman official, pseudonym Theophilus, which means a person who loves God. But it's so that we can have certainty of the things that we're taught. And when you put Luke and Acts together, they really provide a beautiful bridge from the Old Testament to Jesus, from Jesus to the Apostles, from the apostles to the Holy Spirit, from the Holy Spirit to the rest of the world. And it's amazing how these connections, we see them, we notice them, and we can uh, follow them throughout uh, Luke and Acts. A little quickly about the author. This is kind of an introduction, but then we're going to kind of get into the more important things. Uh, I think you'll find this, this won't be, hopefully, the most boring five minutes of your life, and I promise it matters with what I'm going to say in a minute, so don't zone out totally. It, just at least capture the underlined things, like uh, that, that Theophilus was a Roman official. Those are little context clues there. Luke was not an eyewitness uh, to Jesus. He was not one of the earliest followers. He was not called by Jesus, come, follow me. Luke was a companion of Paul that we actually meet in chapter 16 of the book that Luke was writing when the when the author, Luke, starts using the pronoun we. You guys remember what was going on in Acts chapter 16? That's when uh, Paul and his followers, including Luke, were disallowed by God's Holy Spirit to go into Asia. and Instead, they were, they were sent to northern uh, Macedonia, ancient Macedonia, or modern-day Greece. And that's where the Church of Philippi was established. That's when we meet Luke, for the first time, is when they are starting the Philippian church. He says on the Sabbath, they went to the river expecting to find people there praying to the Lord, and that's what they did. And the church there in Philippi began with Lydia and her family, and then the demon-possessed girl, and then the Roman jailer, and on and on and on. The story goes. But I thought it was a nice connection for us as a church that we meet Luke in Acts as they're starting the Philippian church 
since we spent uh, last year studying Philippians. I thought that was cool. Also, uh, Luke is mentioned many times in uh, Paul's writings, in Philemon, in Colossians, in 2 Timothy. We learn uh, that Luke was constantly with Paul, that he was a massive help, that he was a co-worker, that he was Greek by ethnicity, and by profession, Luke was a doctor. So there's a lot written about Luke. But I, I love this, is that Luke was not an eyewitness, but he was a companion of Paul. And just think for a second about how each of the Gospels got written. Matthew, Jewish by heritage got in bed with the Romans and abandoned his Jewish heritage and became a tax collector extorting his own people until he was called. That's Matthew's story. Eyewitness, Jewish, betrayer, preacher, follower. Mark was a Jew, but he came to Jesus by, uh, by his connection with Peter, who was an eyewitness. Mark was not one of the ones called, but he came to Jesus through another. And Mark was deeply influenced by Peter and Barnabas, especially. Luke, we know, was a companion of Paul. Luke was Greek. And he was paired up with Paul, a Jew, who he himself had his own conversion story. And John, the beloved, one of the earliest followers of fishermen, called by Jesus, an eyewitness. I think it's really interesting, not, not that I think, I, like, I don't like, totally get into history a lot, but if you spend a little bit of time in biblical history, it really makes what you're reading richer. And understanding about the writers is so beautiful as it unfolds before you. Okay, I don't want you to miss this. This is, uh, this is critical. I put a megaphone there so you guys know. I want to make this point very, very clear. There's two points that I want to make off this slide, and it's critical because we see these in the, in the readings that, uh, that uh, Peyton read for us. Luke, the author of Luke and Acts, was a Greek doctor. Theophilus, the sponsor, was a Roman official. And Paul, the apostle, was a Jewish Pharisee. Luke was a Greek. The Greeks believed they were gods. That there were many gods. The Romans believed that Caesar was God and nation was God. And Paul the Pharisee believed that the law was God. And so I want to say, if these guys can cross the bridge of faith, and come to Jesus. One of the stories that Luke wants us to know, that all three of these people had to get together with Jesus in mind for these books to be written. On the face, these are hurdles that are too high. Chasms that are too wide. Walls that are, are too, too uh, hard to cross. But one thing Luke wants us to know is that a Greek... A Roman and a Jew, all who have been raised to not put their faith in Jesus Christ, can come together in faith, in Jesus, and do amazing things. They want us to know that Jesus is what connects all of them. And we can read that in one of Paul's writings in 1 Timothy. If you want to follow along in the Bibles there with you, 
It's on page 1844. But 1 Timothy chapter 2. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, all of those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. And this is good and it pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved. Who wants all people to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. The man Jesus Christ who gave Himself as a ransom for all people. Luke and Theophilus and Paul want us to know by this reading that when we come together and set aside our differences, great things can happen in the name of Jesus. That when the Greek view of God changes to Jesus as God. When the Roman view that nation is God surrenders to Jesus as the King. And when the historic Jewish view is that the law is God, lays the law down before the one who fulfilled the law and the prophets, Jesus Christ, then amazing things can happen in His name. And that is still true today. Also, I don't want you to miss this. Luke the doctor. Theophilus the sponsor. Paul the the Pharisee. If you turn over to Colossians with me. Colossians chapter 3, and it's on page 1832 if you want to read in the Bibles there. Colossians 3, starting in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. Clothe yourself with kindness. Clothe yourself with humility. Clothe yourself with gentleness. Clothe yourself with patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If you have any grievances against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds us binds them all together in perfect unity. And I want to say that everything that was a stumbling block for these guys to do, not just faith questions, but upbringing and family and rituals and traditions, they had to lay that all down and, and work under Christ. And I want to say that we can do that today too. Not only can we do great things when we surrender and say Jesus Christ is Lord above all, we can also do great things when we bow before God and forgive each other. And are kind to each other. And we're gentle when harsh seems right. And we're compassionate when I'd rather not. Paul and Theophilus and Luke need us to see these stories 
is that not only can amazing things happen when you confess Jesus as Lord above all, but when you follow Him and fall at His face and do the things that Jesus does, even these three guys that had no chance of being friends, no reason to be connected, they all can come together and do amazing things for the Lord because they're not the most important thing. Jesus is. And that's still true today. Our love for Jesus is open for all. And we can work together. And we need to work together in His name. That's how the Gospel becomes believable to people that it's, they've not been able to believe before. And remember this. As Andy mentioned today, we all come to worship feeling different things. And in different seasons of our life, suffering or joy or loss or gain or success or failure or depression or gladness, all of us come here today, right now, with different things. Maybe you come today with an arrogant heart and thinking, man, I'm pretty good. Or maybe you come today with a self-loathing heart and say, I'm, I'll never be good. If we set all of that aside in the name of Jesus, if we set everything aside that, that makes us different in all the reasons that we shouldn't, we put those all down for Jesus, then great things can happen in His name. Here's something else that I learned uh, as I was uh, preparing this. And this is kind of getting in uh, to some things that, that, are, that are harder. Maybe, maybe the things I've said were hard. I don't know. But to me, these, these are the hard things that Luke wants us to know in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. The truth is, when this is being written in this time in history, as Luke was closing and Acts was beginning, as, as he was closing the book on his Gospel and opening the book of Acts, it wasn't really a nice time for the church. It wasn't hunky-dory and A-OK. -okay. In fact, when Jesus was arrested, all of His followers scattered. They abandoned Him. They left Him. They turned their back on Him. Can you identify with that? Have you ever felt like you've turned your back on God? For whatever reason. Maybe in this one it was fear. Maybe confusion. Maybe they left God because it just wasn't the story that they were willing to live in and it wasn't, it wasn't how they saw the story going. Maybe they were just shocked. Maybe they were in survival mode. I don't know. But have you ever felt like you knew Jesus and then you left Him for a reason? This is the stage of the church is in when we turn this chapter from Luke to Acts. The apostles, His closest twelve, the followers that have confessed faith in Jesus, left Him when He was arrested, when He was betrayed and kissed by one of His own. But in grace, one of the next stories that's written in Luke is the story of the two disciples, and they're unnamed, but as they walk the road to Emmaus. Do you know this story? It's at the very end of Luke. 
and the, the, the crucifixion uh, just happened, the resurrection, and Jesus, the, the arisen Savior, meets these, these two apostles, but they don't recognize Him. And I love this. Man, I, I want to be a part of this uh, Bible study uh, right here. Listen, he says in verse 13, so Luke 24, 13, That's when the, the story of the road to Emmaus starts. He's talking with them. And then in verse 25, they're walking down this road and Jesus says to them, How foolish are you? How slow to believe all the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter His glory? And then listen to this. Verse 27, I, I want to be a part of this. And Jesus began with Moses and all the prophets. And he explained to them what he said, uh, what was said in all of Scripture concerning himself. What a blessed moment. That after they had abandoned him, God's love for his people is enough that he would meet them on a road and then so graciously start calling them back to him. Is forgiveness an issue for you? I want the church to be better at reconciliation. I want the church to be better about not hurting each other, but when we do, getting through it together, admitting that I'm capable of the stuff that I'm so mad at you for doing. I've got jerk. in me. I've got arrogant and rude and unkind and selfish and harmful. I've got that in me. I want us as a church to be more faithful to not hurt each other, but when we do, to take this example that Jesus, after being betrayed, after being abandoned, he would come back and so graciously say, listen y'all, these are the real things that I wanted you to understand. And he starts calling his Apostles back. And we can see it again in Acts chapter 1, in verse 3. That after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them convincing proofs that he was alive, that he appeared to them over 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom. And on one occasion while he was eating with them, he even shared a meal with them. I want you to know. And I want to apologize. If you're an artist, like, work in this space, there is no good place to find a Middle Eastern Jewish dark-skinned Jesus. They're all white guys, and that's not the case. So I just apologize for the screen here. Uh, Jesus wasn't a white guy. But, back to the point, is that Jesus cared for us enough that even after we abandoned him, even after we walked out on him, even after we neglected him. He met with the guys on the road to Emmaus and he said he started with the law and the prophets and explained to them everything about all of the scriptures that concerned himself. And we have with the earliest apostles that he appeared to them and called them back. And he taught them concerning the scriptures. And I want us to know that if we will humbly come to Jesus no matter where the road has taken you, 
We serve a forgiving God. And I am so grateful for that. That doesn't make sin okay. But it's still true about Jesus that He loves you and that He'll forgive you. But you've got to come to Him with a contrite heart, with a humble heart, convinced that He is Lord and that you want to follow Him. The other thing that, us, that this shows me is this, is that God wants you to know Him. One of the things that's meaningful to me as I read scriptures, I try to put myself in the shoes. And it helps me smell the smells and see the sights and hear the sounds. And it's been absolutely compelling to me because I've refused to read scripture from afar. I've tried to put myself there. And if you put yourself in this moment of when Jesus needed his people the most, and they kissed him, and they cursed him, and they left him, and they denied him. These stories, these, this bridge between Luke and Acts tells me that Jesus wants us to know him. And that's a story for you to know, and that's a story for us to tell. That there is no gap that's too wide. And there's no one that's living today that's outside of the love of Jesus. And our goodness doesn't make us good. It's God in us that makes us good. And we have something to share. Finally, I want us to see this point loud and clear. Jesus received the Holy Spirit at his baptism. Our primary belief is that baptism is by immersion and that when we are immersed and we come out, that God's Holy Spirit fills us. That's a pillar of our faith. I admit also, and I am clear, that that's not the only time and the only way that people in Scripture have received the Holy Spirit. So if somebody starts telling you that's, that's not true, just read, and it is true. We'll read plenty of those stories in Acts where people received the Holy Spirit, it was obvious to the believers prior to baptism. And I don't want to make too big of a deal about that, but I, want, I just want to say that, just admit that. Our primary, our kind of foundational faith is that we give our life in Christ, uh, in baptism, and we receive God's Holy Spirit uh, once, uh, once we're baptized. That's a biblical teaching. We see examples of that with Jesus himself. I also know it's very compelling to me that Jesus' ministry did not begin until after he received the Holy Spirit. It's important to note that. Jesus' miracles, his teachings, his healings, his, all of these things, the power of Jesus was not fully on display until he received the Holy Spirit. It's important for us to recognize that Jesus did not do these things apart from the Holy Spirit. And that's true for us today. In, in Acts chapter 1, Luke describes the Holy Spirit. Did you get the word? A gift. He says, Then 
Do not leave Jerusalem, verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 8, Jesus says, but you will receive power from the Holy Spirit, and it will come on you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. An essential teaching of the church has got to be this. Complete dependence on God's Holy Spirit. That we are saved by grace through faith. And we come, to, we pray to God through Jesus in the Holy Spirit. We cannot expect to do good things in Jesus' name. We cannot expect to evangelize as a church, to be healed from our sins apart from the Holy Spirit. It was true in Jesus' life. His ministry began, began when He received the Spirit. And it's true for us. And this is the promise that we see in Acts chapter 1. Is that when the Spirit comes on, with you, uh, comes on you in power, you will be my witness. And so I want to encourage us all as a church to pray to God through Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. To invite God into our lives. That what do we know that the Holy Spirit does? He guides us. He marks us. He protects us. He prays for us. He seals us. He heals us. He leads us. In just a few verses, you're going to see the Holy Spirit of God descend on the apostles in a visual way. Just as the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in a visual way, the Holy Spirit will land in fire on the heads of the apostles as an outward sign of God's presence. Also, I'd be, I don't want to hesitate to say, at the very end of the verses that Peyton read, after they receive uh, the Holy Spirit, the gift from God, Jesus ascends into heaven and they're all standing there. And have you ever had those moments that you're just staring? And somebody's like, you okay? What are you looking at? Like, Where are you in your brain right now? You ever say that to your kids? That your kids are just wandering around? Or maybe you felt it yourself, you're just wandering around? And someone says, back to reality. Where are you right now? I can see this sight. Jesus ascends and the apostles are like. Where is he? And they receive this teaching. He's gone home. Now get after it. That's the teaching they receive. And that's our teaching today. Is that once we receive the God's Holy Spirit, it's not a time to just stand and stare and wonder. It's a time to start getting after it. And that's what we're doing at Central this year, all in. We're trying to get after it. That's why we're identifying ministries. So you can get engaged and get after it. That's why we come today, to worship, to spend time together, to heal each other, to hug each other, to hold each other, to confess to each other, to worship together, so we can get after it. Let's not be a people that just stands and stares at the sky and the world walks around it's like, what are those Christians all looking at? 
Let's be people that, that get after it. That take the things that we've give, been given. We set aside our differences. We forgive in Jesus' name. We accept the Holy Spirit as a gift. We serve together in Jesus' name. I'm excited for our study of Acts. If you've not read Luke and Acts in sequence as one book, I pray that you do. I also want to uh, offer an invitation this morning. Uh, and this is uh, nothing formal. And I hope that you know that it's always, always there. And the invitation is this. If, if you need a prayer, if you've not confessed Christ as Lord and you want to and you're ready, if you're hurting and you need help, if you're joyful and you want to shout hallelujah about something, the invitation is here. It just means that you're invited to tell somebody. You're invited to share a burden. You're invited to, to shout a joy. You're invited to ask for help. You're invited to confess Christ. You're invited to be a part of this church. It's trying to do everything in its power to be all in for Christ. All in for the community.